the meeting was. And uh, said, they also said, you know, would it be possible to use the washroom? And so we showed them where the washrooms were, men and women. And being a kind soul, he said, is there anything else I could help you with? Or as a courtesy than anything, not really expecting uh, to hear anything in response. And the two young women said to him, well, yeah, there is actually. You wouldn't have to have, you wouldn't have to have a piano, would you? For sale. Um, well, this was a bit of a strange request from somebody he'd never met. And he walked around and he said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, they do. And so their eyes lit up and they said, well, we have this friend and he's had a really rough time and money is really tight. But his wife is a beautiful pianist and well, they were thinking that while they get on their feet, perhaps she could give piano lessons, except she's a bit on the piano and they have very little money. So there's not much they can offer and we're just really trying to help them out. Well, that's interesting, said the minister, because I have a brother who's trying to, trying to sell a piano. So come and see me after you're finished with the meeting. I'll, I'll make sure I'm still here. So the two women came, came to the minister's office. They're just eyes lit up. They said, you know, this is amazing. Um, we, we just ran out of options. We've been trying to help this young couple. And... You know, to be able to find a piano, they couldn't find a piano. Like I, and like I said, they don't have a lot of money to pay for it. Well, said the minister, actually, my brother's been trying to sell a piano for the last year. Nobody wants it. Now we'd like to give it away. So we'll give it to the friends. Their eyes popped out. Really? They said, give it? Yes, he said. In fact, I just got him on the phone. And he said, that if you can come and pick it up, they'll give it to you. Because you see, he's been trying to sell it, but everybody that will buy it from him wants it delivered. And he doesn't have a truck or the ability to deliver it to you. That's fantastic, they said. We could never have imagined. You know, we prayed about this this morning. We were so out of options that we finally just put it out to the Lord and said, you know what, we just need this piano. And we decided that we would tell everybody that we bumped into during our day, course of a day. Oh, just a second here. Sorry. <laughs> Utility has to take precedence over them. <laughs> and so by the time the encounter was finished, it was an answer to prayer for all parties. Because this young couple now had a piano, and they said, well, they don't have a really big place, so they're planning to make it the focal point of their living room. And then there was one last piece of information. Oh, so the minister, I didn't tell you. This piano that my brother has is an apartment-sized piano. I know they're not very, they're not, they don't, they're not very common, but you see, my brother's place wasn't very big either. His kids are all grown up. They don't want the piano. They never did take piano lessons after he worked and say, to get the piano for them, a few lessons, and they decided, well, they didn't like that. And his wife has passed away, and he's wanting to move into an apartment. He really needs somebody to take this piano. And so, everybody was a winner. Somebody had been trying to sell this piano for a year, and nobody wanted it. And then along comes somebody who had never, ever 
people that had never met, and they had the courage to put out there, this is where we're at, this is what we need. And it came together for everybody. This is a true story, I'm making this up on the spot. This is an actual true story. And the one woman said, with her eyes just wide, this is amazing. We just prayed about this this morning, and by one o'clock, our prayers went into. So, you might think, well, that sounds like a make-believe story. It's not really working that way. So if I go out after church and stand in the parking lot and say, hey God, I'd really like a Jaguar instead of this little uh, light bulb that I drive, does suddenly it's just going to arrive? Not quite. It might. Who knows? But today we had two scripture lessons, right? One from Exodus and one from Matthew. And in Exodus we hear about the Israelites who were fed up with the situation. They were complaining. How many of us complain when something doesn't work out the way we think it would, hoped it could, or thought it should, right? Am I the only one that does that? I, I'm not? Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. We immediately think, why didn't this work out? Because we have in our minds the way it should work out. Now, the Israelites were promised uh, a land that was going to be theirs, where they were not be enslaved. But there was a long journey to get there. And there were hardships in that journey. And they started to get really fed up. And when you get fed up, what do you do? You turn to the leaders, right? And you blame them. Because that's an easy person. It's one person, it's their fault. Well, Moses wasn't going to have any of that. He's a smart guy. And because, you notice in the passage that Aaron was the one who was speaking. Because Moses wasn't the speaker. He had a bad stutter. And when he tried to refuse God's call, he said, oh, forget it, God. I, I can't, I'm not a speaker. God said, that's okay, your brother is. So you get him to do the public speaking for you. So we hear that Moses said to Aaron, listen, you know what? You tell the people this. So isn't that smart leadership? We've got co-leaders here, basically. So saying, okay, look, Stop complaining. You're complaining against God. He's the one that brought us out into the wilderness. The Israelites were saying, look, why didn't we just die in Egypt? We want to go back. At least we had food there. But you know, in life, you can't go back. Then. It's like trying to drive a car and you just look in the rearview mirror. You're trying to drive a car by looking in the rearview mirror. The rearview mirror just gives us clues about how to keep safe. If we try to drive looking in that rearview mirror, we're going to smash up pretty quickly, probably. So instead of complaining about what they had or didn't have, Moses said, look, Moses said, through Aaron, God's going to provide for our needs. Wait, God is going to provide. So that night, there's quails. There may have been quails every night. So some adventurous folks probably thought, ah, I'm going to collect for the next two or three days, and then I'll be, I'll be safe, and I'll have enough in my little pantry. But it only lasted for a day. And if you collect, started to collect more than you had, it would spoil. Because God had said, I'll provide 
for each day. And then we see in Matthew's passage exactly the same kind of thing. Where, and that's why I have to look at the cartoon, because it really said it all. The first guy says, well, you know what? I think the person that went out at 8 o'clock in the morning and got the same wage as the person that came at 5 o'clock in the afternoon really got ripped off. He should have got more. That's fair. By human standards, that is fair. But by God's standards, God knows that everybody needs to have their needs met. What they were getting in the vineyard was basically a day's wage. The ones that weren't called up till later, they were in the marketplace waiting to get called. That's how it was sort of like a manpower temporary service. And that's how it worked. So they're waiting all day, ready for work, waiting to get called, hoping and praying that somebody will call them. So they've been pooling their deals in the marketplace, worrying and wondering what's going to happen when they go home at the end of the night with no wage. And then finally they're called up at, at the end of the day. And so they only do an hour's work, but they're given enough for to meet their needs for that day. It's not that they didn't try. They were standing there, waiting and ready and wondering, but at the end of the day their needs were met too. Not in a way that we would imagine. The person that was called at first had the security of knowing he was going to have that wage. And was told he would be paid a living wage, which he was. But it was only when he started comparing himself to others that he started to say, hey, wait a second, I should get more. And so began the whole era of entitlement. I am worth more. I deserve more than you. Really? In God's world, we're all worthy. And we're all deserving of what it is that we need. And so God provides for those needs. It's a tough lesson in our in our day and age because we're surrounded by people that <clears throat> tell us, you don't have enough, you need to say this or that, or you know all that kind of rhetoric that goes on. People like to tell us that what we have isn't enough, that what we are isn't enough, that we have to do this and buy this product and go on this holiday and make sure that our children go to this school and all this stuff. And we don't. We need to do what we need to do. And God will make sure that we have our needs met. Our needs, not necessarily our wants. I'm going to close with a little example. And probably some of you can relate to this. If you go camping or canoeing or spend time outdoors, Everyone, you ever notice how good craft dinner tastes after three or four days over at campfire? I was on a canoe trip once, and the fifth day we had nothing left. We had bread, fairly stale, it's hard to start with, and peanut butter, and that was it. Everything else we'd eaten, or had spoiled, or whatever. I don't like peanut butter sandwiches at the best of times. But I'm telling you, after the, on the fifth day, when we had canoes and hiked, and we were tired and hot, that peanut butter sandwich tasted like a gourmet meal. And my needs were met. Now it's not what I would choose given another choice, but my needs were met, and my nutrition was met. And that's really how God responds to us. We always think that it's going to be less than what we would have chosen. If you go back to the story that I told you at the beginning, this these two women were hoping and looking that maybe if they pooled the resources, they could buy an upright piano for their friends. By the end of the day, when they put it out to God, to the Creator, they had an apartment-sized piano 
for free, all they had to do was go and pick it up. Now isn't that better than having to find and pay and get it? They just had to go and pick it up. And the, and the person, the brother that was trying to sell the piano, just needed it out of the house and knew he wasn't going to be able to do that. And all of a sudden somebody came and took it away. And everybody won. We think when we leave things in God's hands, it's going to be less than when we choose. What we don't realize is that God dreams way bigger than we can ever dream. And so when we leave it in God's hands, what opens up for us is far more than we could have imagined. Thanks be to God. Be.